You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the producer and host for today's show, which is being recorded on location during the ABA mid-year meeting at the George R. Brown Convention Center in downtown Houston, Texas. Joining me now is Mr. William Baker. He's joining us from Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Well, before we get started today, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your professional career. Mm-hmm. And uh, so where do you work and what do you do? Well, I'm a partner at the Potomac Law Group, which is a law firm based in Washington, D.C. It's a more modern firm. It's basically a virtual law firm that uh, operates on a low overhead and a low-cost model. And I hope to provide you know, practical solutions for our clients. I've been there a few weeks I, after 30 years at a big law firm in Washington, D.C. So it's a very much a different kind of practice scheme to be in now. So the reason you're here is that you're the budget officer for the section of science and technology law. That's correct. And we're having here for our mid-year meetings and various governance type of meetings have to occur over the course of running the section. What we do uh, just came from an officer's meeting where we discussed how we've gone through the year, what we're going to be doing the rest of the year and planning for this and then into next year. Great, fantastic. So what does the section of science and technology law group uh, do, uh, the section within we, the ABA? Well, we've, our focus is on the intersection of law, technology, and science. And so we like to identify what we think are cutting-edge legal issues coming out of that background and anticipate what the legal needs will be and what the legal issues will be and try to position both ourselves for preparing for that as well as doing some initial thinking about what the how the law should change to uh, reflect those things. Okay. So 25 years ago we were talking about changes in telecommunications law in the beginning of the internet and 10 years ago we started talking about nanotechnology. But we cover life sciences and physical sciences as well. About how many members do you have? We have about 9,500. Uh, about Half of those are law students. A substantial number are also um, non-lawyers who are members of the American Association for the Advancements of Science, and they are very helpful in our meetings and their programming and helping us understand issues from the perspective of the scientists as well as from, uh, which is not a perspective lawyers will have typically. That's true. That's true. Uh, so what kind of programs are you guys currently offering right now for your members? Uh, we have programs at the annual meeting. We also have teleconferences during the course of the year, and we have several publications that are sent out from time to time during the year. We have newsletters, we have uh, a quarterly magazine, we, and we publish a scholarly journal called Jurometrics, which is uh, with the assistance of the Law School at Arizona State University. Uh, we will have uh, several programs at the annual meeting. Uh, last year, three of them were selected to be showcase programs, which were particularly attractive to the ABA as a whole. And we'll have, uh, I think we have one coming up this fall, uh, this August in Chicago. And uh, they'll focus on a lot of things. Uh, we've done programs recently on uh, 3D printing. We've had a series of programs on cybersecurity. Uh, all kinds of issues about that and what lawyers should do. We've had in program, recent years, we've had programs on drones, on virtual worlds, and on driverless cars. So that's the kind of thing we like to cover. 
when you cover these and with your programs and you talk about things like 3D printers, cybersecurity, and the use of drones, uh, what comes out of that? Is it, is it education? Is it, uh, is it recommendations? Uh, do you pull lawyers in and say, here are the areas and uh, these areas of law that are developing and here's where you need to be focusing? How, how does all that work? It depends. Uh, often it's simply education. Uh, lawyers are intrigued, right? curious people, and they want to know, gee, I've heard about driverless cars, uh, what, what might be the legal implications? And then you have uh, someone will talk about who's given some thought to, well, what might be the tort liability if a driverless car you know, hits somebody and, you know, pat, you know, pedestrian or something like that. And they get into, you know, is it the owner or the software driver? Who, who's responsible? Sometimes uh, it will be... Uh, more of developing a recommendation. So someone might write a book that we'll publish that will say we should take uh, approach a particular legal issue in, in such and such a way. Uh, sometimes it's to spur a debate, have a discussion. Sometimes, uh, yeah, so the purpose can vary uh, depending on sort of how mature the issue is, how much has to be uh, thought about, how much has already been done, and now we're in a position where everyone has a certain amount of basic understanding, so let's go from here. Sometimes it's a response to a proposal from the White House or the Congress that, you know, we should change the law in such or such a way, and or it could be a summation, a review of a recent decision of the Supreme Court or a Court of Appeals that has a bearing on us. So uh, when they had the decision, a couple decisions on these, Supreme Court's come out with two decisions in the last few years on cell phones. And we've had a program after each one discussing the implications of that and where the law, what that means to the laws. One of the things that uh, fascinates me about the different uh, uh, sections and divisions within the ABA is the leadership structure. So it seems that the, all the different groups have you know slightly different configurations, and there's uh, you know I guess a different shape for each governing body as it pertains to each group. So could you tell me a little bit about uh, the leadership and how it's structured with the section of science and technology law? Sure, we have um, a series of officers. We have a chair chair-elect, vice-chair, secretary, and a budget officer. And we have a council. Uh, those uh, members of the council serve three-year terms, and that's essentially the governing body. The officers handle most of the day-to-day or month-to-month work. The council meets uh, twice a year in person and several other times by conference call. And the council's job is to set the basic policy, approve the budget, and, and these are the set the basic direction of the section. Uh, when the um, resolutions are proposed to the House of Delegates, those are all circulated ahead of time. All the sections have a chance to review them. The ones that are of interest to us, um, we will set up a task force, study it, and it will make a recommendation. And ultimately, the position that the you know, section takes on it will be voted on by the council and our delegates to the uh, House of Delegates would be responsible for carrying that message forward. And what does your membership base look like? I mean, where do you recruit? What's the typical member and leader like? I mean, what area of law type of firm? Uh, what can you tell me about your membership? We are quite diverse. We have large firms, small firms. We have um, a pretty high proportion of women minorities. We have some very young members who are, for whom a lot of current technology is second nature. There are a lot of uh, older members for whom it is not, and we've had to learn over the years. Our last uh, current uh, chair is 
partner here in Houston at Baker and Botts, which was a very large firm. Our immediate past chair is, was an attorney at a small firm in Roanoke, Virginia, where he was working in life sciences. So it, the current chair is a patent lawyer. It just you know, we have a, we try to have a mixture of the life sciences lawyers and the technology lawyers and the physical science lawyers, so we have a good mixture of what's going on. So our audience is mostly attorneys and other legal professionals, mm-hmm. and so uh, what would you like to tell them? I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. So uh, what are your uh, three favorite reasons that uh, anybody that practices law or is involved in a legal practice should sign up and be part of this section of science and technology law? Well, uh, first of all, it is the best place, single best place I know of to find out what's going on on the legal issues on these kind of cutting-edge scientific technology subjects. So we are usually, we like to think we're ahead of the curve on a lot of these issues. So we are, I'm thinking of various things our members have written recently. There's a whole book on um, governance of mobile devices, bring your own devices to the workplace. Now, you know, not that long ago, the employer owned the phones and just and so when the uh, when the employee left the business they got the phone back well now it's bring your own device and we're we're dealing with the issues of what happens when the employee leaves the firm uh, but oh that one piece of evidence uh, that's really relevant to that case was on that device and how we how can you just fulfill your obligations and secure it and not you know take it off with you so there's old book out guys one of our members just wrote a book, published a book about that last year on that subject. Well, uh, we just published a book uh, the, a few months ago on government sharing of information. So that's a very trendy topic, and certainly in Washington these days, when you're worried about uh, you know government surveillance and anti-terrorism efforts. So that's a good summary of the law there. So I guess that's the first uh, answer. Second, it's a because of our size, we have I said a lot of members, many of them are law students. It is a great opportunity to get involved and be responsible fairly early in your career. You don't have to wait in line behind a lot of people as you do in some of the other sections, where it's just enormous sections and it can take years and years and years to work yourself up. We don't have that problem. And the third is we think we're fun, so it's a, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a good time. We uh, one of our um, marketing tools right now is a um, boomerang. A boomerang. A boomerang. You know, the idea is that you know, it's not a drone boomerang, right? No, it's a real boomerang, and the idea is it you know, comes back to you in the future. You know, what you put in now, it comes back to you, circles around, and comes back. And so it's a, it's a way of just making the point. No, it sounds like a great group to be part of. So because this is ABA mid-year, and mm-hmm. we're in 2015, and we're looking forward, and there's going to be the annual meeting coming up, what can members of, of uh, the science and uh, technology law, the section of science and technology law, look forward to uh, coming up here in 2015-2016? You know, well, I was thinking of the big issues going on now. Um, just this morning, we woke up to the news that Anthem suffered a data breach, some maybe 80 million uh, personal, you know, patient records or employee records, I'm not sure which at this point, have uh, been compromised. That's a lot of people. Yes. And it's every week, if not every day, there's a similar announcement. So data security and cybersecurity remains a highly important issue for all of our clients, big and small. We hear about the big ones. The small ones are attacked as well. Um, data collection by private businesses and use of marketing, consumer marketing, uh, is a big issue now. The White House announced uh, with great fanfare in January it's going to you know, propose 
specific legislative language to implement so what's called calls the Consumer Privacy Bill of Rights that would have a significant effect on how American businesses operate and you collect and use uh, customer data in the United States. Some of the other things that are very hot now in which we've had a role, um, drones. The Federal Aviation Administration is uh, slowly trying to establish some rules for that, but that's coming. Uh, driverless cars is another thing that's actually happening already, and uh, people should start paying attention to that. Yes. Facial recognition software is another thing that's coming up. Uh, I have currently um, been involved with a multi-stakeholder proceeding conducted by the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, which is trying to devise a model code of conduct for facial recognition software and the uses and so, so people there are concerned about the ability of you know, not just social networks where you post pictures, but you know, photographers in public places taking pictures of people and then using facial recognition software to identify and find out all kinds of things. And next thing you know, there'll be bouncers in bars, and you know, so <laughs> you can just see how that could. There are some potential implications for that that need to be thought through. I'm currently, I chair a committee in the section as well, which is looking on uh, digital property rights. And the real interest there is what happens to your digital data after you die. Oh, interesting. So, you know, the executives of estates will try to go to Facebook or Yahoo to get your email, or Gmail, get your email accounts. And they're frequently being told, no, they can't, because either they don't have a proper status on the state law or because either of two federal laws prevent them from disclosing it to anyone but the user. And, of course, now the user's dead, so you, they can't get it, and the executors and the, the people who manage the estates are getting frustrated because they can't get to what might be interesting information or useful for their, so they can discharge their job. But, on the other hand, there is a privacy interest here where People saying, well, people tend to throw out and discard paper files, but they either don't do that for digital files or they're not even aware of what digital files are being stored. And may, there may be information that the user doesn't want anybody <laughs> after their death to know. That's true. That could be. Yeah, and there could be third parties who are also on the other end of these you know, trans transmissions who have an interest in maybe not being disclosed to the executive of the estate. So, that's been a problem. Now, there are the NACUZO, there's now a model state law that the ABA House of Delegates will be voting on, on in the next beginning of the week. There are also at least two other more, I'll call more privacy protective model laws being developed that will be submitted to state legislatures for their consideration as well. And so that's a very interesting subject that just didn't happen five or ten years ago. It just never came up. But now it's, uh, as more and more people are on social media or using online banking, um, now they're getting starting to die. And now, but the records are still there. Because you don't think on your deathbed, you think, gee, I need to go clean up my email account. It just doesn't happen that way. Those are very interesting times we're living in for things like that. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. I want to thank Mr. William Baker for joining us today. Um, if our listeners have questions about the section of science and technology law, how can they reach out to you and get that information? 
They could uh, go to the section's website at the ABA, uh, which I actually don't have the URL handy, or they could send a note at uh, wbaker at potomaclaw.com, and that would get to me as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.